But tonight I want to talk to you about the pursuit of purpose. How many of you desire purpose in your life? Amen? And you want everything you do to, to have a purpose. You, you, don't, you don't want to do things just for the sake of doing them. You don't want to do things just to fill, just to fill up your, your daily calendar, your routine. But you, you really want what you do to count. Amen? Yes. We really want to experience that kind of fulfillment in our lives. And that's what God desires for us. God desires to bring fulfillment in our lives. God desires that we live each and every day to its very full fullest. Because every time that you wake up is, is, a, is a new day that God, God has given to us. He's given, a, he's given us a breath every single day. And He desires that we live the fullness of our days. Sarah lived 127 years, and each and every day of her life was lived to its fullest. Not one day of her life was in vain. Every single thing that she did, every experience that she went through was lived to its fullest. Amen? And what is the pursuit of purpose? The pursuit of purpose is to find your way in life in accordance with God's will. I'll say that again. The pursuit of purpose is to find your way in life in accordance with God's will. You know, the Solomon says in Proverbs 16, 9, A man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And how many of you know that God is directing your steps? Amen. God is leading you. You'll do what your mind wants to do, and you'll be led, you'll do things the way you want to do, but it's, it's actually the Lord that directs your steps. Even if God one day sends you to the right and you have planned to go to the left, God may have planned something for destiny for you on the right side. Amen? And last week we discovered the great bravery of Saul. How many of you were with me last Thursday evening? Mm -hmm. A few of you were. Last week, and you can, you can catch last week's teaching on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash cmjfusion. So last week we, we talked about the great bravery of Saul. And Saul demonstrated great bravery when he snatched the tablets of stone from Goliath. And if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 12, 16, and 17. Verses 12, 16, and 17. It reads like this. A man of Benjamin ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent and with earth upon his head. Verse 16. And the man said to Eli, who was the high priest at the time, who had judged Israel for 40 years, he said, and this man says to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle. I fled from the battle today. And he said, how did it go, my son? He brought the tidings, the tidings answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has also been a great slaughter among the people. Your two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. And that's from 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 12, 16, and 17. When you read these verses, do you know who this man of Benjamin is? Does the scripture tell us who this man of Benjamin, Benjamin is? Does the scripture tell us who this man was that fled from the battle with his clothes rent? And then he arrived at, 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 the, temp, at the tabernacle in Shiloh and told Eli, the high priest, what had taken place. Do we know who this man is from the reading of the scripture here? And the answer is no, right? The, the, the Midrash, the rabbinic commentaries, fill in the areas that we, we don't have the answers to. And the rabbinic commentaries tell us that this man of Benjamin was Saul, who became the first king over Israel. And at this time, scripture does not tell us what this man's name is, and this is done by divine design. And this man from Benjamin, who is Saul, 
demonstrated great bravery. Do you know what he did? In the midst of the battle, Goliath took the Ark of the Covenant. Really the holiest thing in all of Israel. That the very element, the, 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 the Ark that was placed in the Holy of Holies. And Goliath had, sto had stolen it. And what did Saul do? He reached, he opened up the chest, he opened up the lid and took out the, the two tablets of stone, the, the Ten Commandments, and he fled and returned to Shiloh and returned the tablets to Eli the high priest. <coughs> he, he put his life in jeopardy for the sake of God's word. Amen? Amen. And, this, and no act of selflessness will go unrewarded. Saul was rewarded with kingship because of this tremendous act of bravery on his part. He put his life on the line for the sake of God's word. Amen? And that's from 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 12, 16, and 17. So Saul, made, Saul probably recognized that he was destined for greatness from the sign of snatching the tablets. And now we're going to see how Saul pursues his purpose. And through this study, you also will receive the tools for the pursuit of purpose in your life. Amen? Because God has designed each and every one of you with purpose in mind. You know, there's no car designer that does not design a car with, with certain performance concepts in mind. A certain design in mind. They don't build a car out of, uh, randomly. A Porsche is built that way by design. A Mercedes is built in that way by design. And a, a Honda is built, built in a certain way by design. And God it has design and purpose built each and every one of us. Amen? Amen? And in this life, we must find what our purpose is. We're not called to live our life aimlessly. Yeah. There are many people that give themselves over to substance abuse because they have not found purpose. They don't see, uh, they don't see themselves, they don't see that life is worth living. And I'm telling you tonight that God wants to bring you your purpose. Yeah. You are not here randomly. You're not here by chance. You're not here by the flip of a coin. You're not here by the roll of the, roll of, a die, of the dice. You're here because God has ordained you to be here. And God has great things in store for each and every one of you. Amen? Mm -hmm. And so even as Saul recognized his purpose, you are going to discover your purpose tonight. And Holy Spirit, tonight, I pray that each and every one of us tonight, Lord God, will discover our high calling in Christ Jesus. That everyone that's here, Lord God, and everyone that's watching online, Lord God, will discover who they are in you, Lord God. Lord, I just release the anointing. I release the anointing upon every individual here, Father God, that they are going to discover that they are purpose-built for these last days of creation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. We'll spend much of the evening in 1 Samuel chapter 9. And I'll, go ahead, I'll, go ahead, I'll, I'll begin to read it to you. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. Can you say, a man of Benjamin, whose son was Kish? I mean, whose name was Kish, sorry. The son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Bekorah, son of Abiah, a Benjaminite, a man of wealth. Now there's something that you can see embedded in the bloodline of Benjamin. Does this look like a common bloodline? No. I want to hear, hear you all say it together. Does this look like a, a common bloodline? No. Not at all, right? I mean, I mean, God is really calling out this family. He's calling this tribe out as a, as a distinguished tribe. God is calling this tribe out as a tribe that's destined for greatness. Yeah. 
And, and you, you look at this, it says a man of Benjamin, whose name was Kish. Yeah. Kish is a descendant of, of Benjamin. Benjamin was the youngest son of Jacob and Rachel. He was the twelfth, the last one to be born. Yeah. And then it goes on to say, a Benjaminite, a man of wealth. So this family, this bloodline, is a family of tremendous financial wealth. But not just financial wealth, this is a family of the Torah. This is a bloodline that loves God's word. Amen? Amen. Now, what we're going to learn is Saul receives the kingship. Saul becomes the first king over Israel. And yes, we know it's because of the merit of, of Saul going out to battle and, and snatching the Ten Commandments. But even before Saul performed that great act of selflessness, there was something else that took place that brought kingship into the bloodline of Benjamin. Yeah. So there was something that took place in the bloodline. I, didn't, I did not share that last week. I'll share it tonight. There was something that took place in this bloodline that brought kingship to this house. And sometimes, even in our own lives, greatness may come into your life because of the sacrifice of somebody in your family ancestry. Yes. Or maybe because there was a grandmother that was praying for you. Or maybe you, you did not die in that accident because there was a mother that was praying for you. Amen? Yes. And, it, and what I want the constant want to bring out, it was, on, it was because of somebody else's merit that kingship came into the bloodline of Benjamin. Yes. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share that with you in just a second. But I'm going to read to you from Genesis 29, verse 18 and 20. Because the answer to Benjamin's greatness comes from these verses here. In Genesis 29, verse 18, it reads, Jacob loved Rachel. And he said, I will serve you seven years. He's speaking to Laban, his father-in-law. He says, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Verse 20. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Now remember last week I was talking to you about taking the Disney out of the biblical stories? Well, guess what? I'm going to take the Hallmark, I'm going to take the Disney out of the story here. There's something very holy taking place here. Now we know that Jacob and Rachel loved each other, right? But there's something else taking place here that's not obvious from the, from the surface reading of the text. They both loved each other deeply. And it was because of Rachel's merits. It's because of what Rachel did that caused God to insert kingliness into the bloodline of Benjamin. Yeah. There's something that Rachel did. Something that Rachel did. When Jacob, when, jo, when Jacob proposed to marry Rachel, when he proposed to marry her, and he told Laban, I'll serve you for seven years for, for your younger daughter in marriage. Yeah. And, and Rachel knew the ways and the deceitfulness of her father Laban. So you know what she did? She, 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 told, she, told, she told Jacob about her father's deceitfulness yeah. and, and told him and warned him that Laban will probably change his mind and he may try to he, he, he may try to cheat you and he might give you my older sister instead to marry. So he may on the on the day of the wedding a switch may take place and you'll marry Leah instead of instead of me. Mm -hmm. So Rachel told him that. Now you may wonder how could ja how could Jacob not recognize Rachel or, from Leah? Well, first of all they were probably twins and they probably looked very similar. And secondly, there was a veil over her so he could not see her face. 
So at the time of the marriage, he probably did not, he, he could not dis distinguish between Rachel and, and Leah. So they had, they, 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 they invented these signs in which they, they, could, they could communicate with, with each other. But you know what, on the marriage day, Rachel had a, had a change of heart. And what did she, and, and Laban did perform the switch. Because his, his excuse was, in, in our culture, it's our custom to marry the elder before the younger. So, he, 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 so this is the, the first time we see him deceiving Jacob. Yeah. And Rachel did not want to humiliate Leah. And because of her love for Leah, she taught Leah the, the signs that she and Jacob had for one another. Yeah. That only those two understood. So, on the marriage day, Leah used the same signs that usually were given by Rachel. And the reason why Rachel performed this act of tremendous hesed, this act of tremendous loving kindness, this act of tremendous selflessness, God honored her by imbuing her bloodline with, with kingliness. And that kings would also come forth through their bloodline. Amen? And because of this, it was this merit, it was this act of selflessness that a descendant of her, of her son Benjamin would become a king in Israel. And in fact, her elk, the first king of Israel was of the tribe of Benjamin. And, um, uh, and what I want to impart to you this evening is, there is not a single act of selflessness that will not go unrewarded. We live in a world where everything's about me. Where everything's about my purpose. It's about me. It's all about me, myself, and I. I'm not sure if I said that correctly, but it's all about me. And how often do we lay ourselves in the line for somebody else? How often do we forfeit a promotion and, and tell our employer, this other person is more worthy than, than I am? You know, we don't do that very often, do we? But I'm telling you, when we live our life according to Torah values, we live our life in line with the Word of God, with the values that the Word of God teaches us. No act of unself, no act of selflessness will go unrewarded. You know, all the hours that you serve God in secret, all the hours I see Brother Danny doing things in secret, setting up, tearing down, all the stuff that you do with late night prayers, early morning prayers, all the things that you do that nobody sees. What you're seeing right now is the ministry from the pulpit. But what about all the service that goes unseen? What about all the hours you may, have, you may have spent even cleaning toilets after a service? You know, all these acts you may think, nobody sees that. You know what? When nobody sees it, God alone sees it. Amen? And those acts of selflessness will not go unrewarded. There are so many of you that I see that all your, all your labor is in secret. And you don't do it to get the praises of the pastor. You don't do this to get the praises of anybody. You do it because you love Jesus. Amen? You do it because, because you're so in love with Him. And Rachel was so, even though Rachel was so in love with Jacob, she, she, she put her sister first. She put her sister first. And God blessed her with many children. All the descendants of Israel are her children. Amen? And so Jacob and Rachel had arranged this, their own sign language in, in, in which they exchanged messages with each other. And when Laban substituted Leah for Rachel, Rachel taught her sister the signs in order to save her from embarrassment. And because of this amazing act of selflessness, she was merited 
to become the mother of a king in Israel. Amen? That's the teaching just on one verse alone. You ready for verse 2? Alright, let's go to verse 2. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Now, when you see this young man Saul, how old do you think he is? I mean, what, what do you picture in, in, in your own imagination? How old do you think Saul is at this point? In the 20s? I think I heard it in the 20s. Any other thoughts? 30s? Sister? 12. 12? You know, and, and it, it, sounds, it, it sounds right. He sounds very, very young. He's youthful. He's handsome. We see him as a very young man that I've heard from age 12 into the 20s. So I think we all agree when look at the text, he seems like a very young man, right? And what the rabbis teach us is that Saul was in his 50s, as young as his 50s, and maybe in his early 60s at the time. And Saul ruled over Israel for only three years. And of those three years, he only ruled with the anointing for one year. But we're not going to focus on the negative things about Saul. We're not going to focus on the character flaws. I want us to focus on the positive tonight. Amen? Because I want us to glean truths tonight that we can implement in our, in our own lives. This entire series that we started about two weeks ago is a series on the signs of greatness. So my goal every week is to bring out the signs of greatness in many of the great, women, uh, and the, the great men and women in the Word of God. Amen? And there's different opinions about how long Saul reigned. There's some that say he reigned, he, he reigned for decades. And, and there's other opinions that he reigned for three years. It's my opinion, based upon my studies of the Torah, it, that he only reigned for three years. And then, then, then he, was, he, he was succeeded by his son, his fourth son, Ishbosheth. Now Saul was a Benjamite who was endowed with supremacy above the shoulders above his shoulders. And what the Torah is teaching us, what Samuel is teaching us here, because Samuel is authoring this part of the text, Samuel is teaching us that Saul had impeccable character traits. His awesome character, character and his awesome understanding of, the, of God's Word. These were, these were his qualifications to become king of Israel. So when we say that he has supremacy above his shoulders, we're not just saying that he was physically handsome. Yes, he was physically handsome. Yes, he had the traits that you'd expect, expect of a prince that you see in a Disney story. Yes, he was probably tall, head and shoulders above all of his brethren. Yes, he looked very good. And, and Samuel was often drawn after the physical appearance. And he could not discern the next king of Israel because he looked at the outward appearance. And God rebuked him when he picked the wrong sons to become the, the second king of Israel. Because he looked at the outward appearance. But God does not look at the outward. God looks at what's in the heart. Amen? And, I, you know, and it's important that we take care of our physical bodies. It's important that we take care of our health. It's important that we eat healthy. It's important to, that we exercise. It's important that we take care of our outward appearance. Speak about our entire physical being. But yet, that does not give us, an, that does not excuse us from taking care of the inner man. And the way we take care of the inner man is through prayer, through fasting, through studying God's Word, through demonstrating impeccable character traits. Amen? Amen. 
And so it was the it was his godly character that endowed him with supremacy above his brethren. And I encourage all of you in your life, in your daily in your daily lives, is to focus on your character and how you treat one another. I mean, are you out there to destroy others to get what you want? Are you out there destroying other people's characters so you can look better than others? Are, 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 are you striving for positions and ministries in churches and, and, and in the workplace for, for selfish ambition? Or are you living a life like a Rachel to, at, to, 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 to be selfless? Amen? And it was Saul's impeccable character that qualified him to become a person who would rule over God's people as the first king. Amen? Another thing that we need to know about Rachel is it was the bloodline of Rachel that was destined to eradicate Amalek. So one of the first things that Israel, Israelites were to do when they took the land, one of the first things they were, they were supposed to do when they took the land is to eradicate Amalek. And Israel will fight with Amalek in every single generation. Amen? In, in the 20th century, who was the Amalek? It was, it was Hitler and the Nazi party. Every, every, in every generation, Israel will have to eradicate an Amalek. So that, that was a special anointing given to the descendants of Rachel, and that was one of Saul's primary callings. Now let's go to verse 3. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish said to Saul his son, Take one of the servants with you, and arise, go and look for the donkeys. Verse 3, I'll read this again. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish said to Saul his son, Take one of the servants with you, and arise, go and look for the donkeys. Now I have spent countless hours this week, since last Saturday, studying about the donkeys. And I was asking the Lord, Lord, what is it about the donkeys that you want to bring out in, in, in tonight's teaching, in tonight's year? And I was struggling with it. And I put the newsletter out without the revelation of what God wanted to share with you. I just trusted God that God was leading me in writing this week's newsletter at destinedfortorah.com in, in, in the blog. And, and, and I, use this as one of the, I use this as one of my primary scriptures. But yet I did not know what donkeys had to do with destiny. Donkeys have to do with your calling. The donkeys have to do with God's high calling in your life. And the donkeys represent God guiding you through His divine providence. Can you say Hashkaha? Hashkaha. Now say Hashkaha Protis. Hashkaha Protis. That is personal divine providence. That means that God is orchestrating all of your steps. Like the scripture, the first scripture we read this evening from Proverbs. God, you know, we do what's in our mind, but God is the one that ordains our steps. God is the one that ordains the way that we go. And, 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 and looking for the donkeys represents looking for your calling, looking for your purpose. And I'm just trying to imagine how Saul was feeling. Here, here is a man who's in his 50s or 60s, who's not yet walking in the fullness of his destiny. He's head and shoulders above, meaning that he's so full of God's Torah, his character is so refined, he's walking with God, He's walking in humility. He's doing everything right, but yet he's not walking in the fullness of destiny. He's not walking as the king of Israel. So when he's looking, but, but he's looking after the donkeys of his father. 
And he's out searching for, for his father's donkeys. He's searching for that which is his father's, but he has not come into what is, what is his own yet. Let me say that again. He's searching for that which is his father's, but he, but he has not yet come into what is his own yet. I spent many years doing things that other people expected of me. And I put God's calling on my life aside for a season because I was doing that which was to please family. And you know what? That was so displeasing to God. But the time had to come where I had to make a choice. Am I going to follow God or am I not going to follow God? And sometimes we have to make those difficult choices. And here Saul is on a journey. And yes, he's honoring his father and his mother by, by seeking, for what, seeking for that which his father had lost. But along the way, he had lost himself. But along the way, divine providence was looking out for him. And God had established the very second in which he was to be moved into his purpose. Amen? So don't despise small beginnings. Because God will elevate you in due season. God will promote you in due season. God will, will, will make room for your gift. Amen? God will make room for you. In God's divine providence, God's personal divine providence, which, which is Hashkaha Portis, is setting the stage for Saul to meet Samuel. Meet Saul meeting Samuel, Saul meeting the great seer, the great prophet Samuel, or Shmuel. God is setting the stage for a divine appointment to move him into destiny. Amen? He, he wasn't seeking after Samuel. God was orchestrating the steps. And it took a series of events in their search for a donkey, in the search for donkeys, which began with Kish's donkeys disappearing. And God inspired Kish to ask his son Saul to go look for them. See, Kish should have sent one of the servants. Why would a rich man send his son for a task that belonged to a servant? It's not a good question. Why, would, why was the son doing this? And I don't know the answer to that. But all I know is that divine providence directed Saul, directed Kish to tell his son Saul to go find the donkeys. This is all divine providence at work. And sometimes you're going to be in a place where, Lord, why am I being asked to do this? Why am I being asked to do this? This task is beneath me. And that's a question that Saul could have asked. Why are you asking, asking me to do a task that belongs to a servant? Do you all remember when Naaman came? Uh, he, he was he, Naaman came to Elisha to, to be cleansed of, of, of the leprosy, and he was told to wash in the rivers of Jordan. And he said, "Why, why should I wash in the rivers of, in the dirty rivers of Jordan when I can wash in the beautiful rivers here in Syria?" But he obeyed the he obeyed the word of the prophet, and he was cleansed. Sometimes God's going to have you do things that seem beneath you. But the, the very things that you do that appear to be beneath you are the very acts of humility that God requires to propel you into purpose. Amen? Because often we live in a generation where we feel like we're entitled to things. We feel like we, we're entitled to this, we're not entitled to that, to that. We believe we're entitled to a position as an executive of, of a company, and yet we have not paid a price. We believe that we're called into high positions in ministry, but we haven't paid a price for that anointing. Yeah. I'm telling you, the things of God do not come cheaply. They come at great cost. Yeah. 
And it's not something that you just come into overnight. I know many of you in this ministry that have been served for 20, 30, 40 years. You've been here for a long time. You've been tested. You've been proven. Amen? And, and we live in a generation, and I'm, and I'm not speaking to millennials. I'm speaking to everybody. It's just become a general way in our culture that we feel like we're entitled to things. We don't feel like we have to pay a price for the things that we desire. Amen? And so sometimes God will, sometimes we have to perform those steps, those acts of humility to move into the things that God has for us. Amen? And God's providence is setting the stage for Saul to meet Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 9. And the, the series of events began with the disappearance of Kish's donkeys. And God inspired Kish to tell his son Saul to go look for them. Now, I want you to look at in this verse here about Kish's words. What does he say? In, in, in my Bible it says here, So Kish said to his sons, And Kish said to Saul his son, Take one of the servants with you and arise. Does your Bible say, and arise? Yes. Or to rise up? Yes. Well, that word, that word rise in Hebrew is a word, it, are the words that were used in Hebrew are vakum lek. Can you say it with me? Vakum lek. Now, there's two words here. And if you take the word kum, K-U-M, what is the last letter of, of, of kum? M, right? And then the last word in this phrase is lek. L-E-C-H. Take the letter M and the, and the word let, put them together and, 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 and pronounce it for me phonetically. Malek. Malek is the Hebrew word for king. So when, when Kish tells his son Saul, arise, he was in Hebrew he was saying, Vakum let. And rearranging the letters a little bit reads Malek. So what Saul, what Kish is prophesying to his son is a rise to kingship, a rise to your calling. Yes. Kish does not know what he's saying, but God does. This guy is orchestrating even his words. And he's saying, a rise to your high calling in God. Because you are rising up, you are being elevated to become the first king over Israel. Mm -hmm. Amen. Even tonight, God caused many of you to drive over long distances to be here tonight. Some of you have sacrificed your, your, your expense, your, your finances, you, you sacrificed your gas, and, and, and some of you are, are, are barely getting by, but God has inspired you to come here tonight. Amen? That act of selflessness will not go unrewarded. Amen? And your sacrifice, the only ones that know about your sacrifice are you. Right? But you know what? God sees it, and God will honor that sacrifice. And Kish's exact words, once again, were, Bakum let. And if you join the M from the middle word with the let in the, in, in the last part, it spells melech. Melech is the Hebrew word for king. So Kish says, arise, go seek for the donkeys. Kish is prophesying to his son without even knowing it. And he's implying that Saul would experience an uplifting. Sometimes when you say yes to God, guess what? You are going to experience an uplifting in the anointing. And God is going to raise you up prophetically. God is going to raise you up in the realm of the Spirit. God is going to promote you. God is going to bring you into divine appointments. God is going to bring you in, in, into divine meetings of people. And I'm prophesying to those of you, to many of you tonight, you're going to step into your calling, your high calling in Christ Jesus. God is going to connect you with people, connect you with the ministry. God's going to connect you 
with, with different leaders to bring you into the place he wants to bring you into. Amen? Amen. Now, we know that God is raising up Saul to become king. What is the purpose of a king? I'm actually going to ask you for your opinions here. What, in, in, your, in your mind, what is, what is your opinion of what the role of a king is? Sister? Leadership. Leadership. Excellent. Sister Margaret? Um, well, there's some kings today that they represent Some kings represent heaven on earth? Excellent. That's awesome, yeah. To keep the law in order. To keep law in order? I'm glad you're not the king. Uh, <laughs> rulership. Rulership. Sister? To serve. To serve. I think you got the closest answer to what I'm looking for. You're all correct. You're all 100% correct. But I'm looking for a very specific answer. And I'm going to read this to you from the commentaries. The, the ideal Jewish king is not the great warrior or someone who could wield his power over his people. Rather, he is a giant of spiritual holiness. Which I think where Sister Margaret said. Why is he so great? Because not only is he a spiritual giant and a Torah scholar of the highest caliber. That means it's a person that's in God's word day and night. The way God spoke to Joshua, that you shall meditate my word day and night. He's also, he's so humble and feels so nullified before God that God clearly comes through and expresses himself through him. He is at such a high level beyond anything that God-fearing Jews could reach on their own. Let me, do, you want, do you want to hear this once again? All right. I need to hear this again. The ideal Jewish king is not a great warrior or someone who could wield his power over the people. Rather, he is a giant of spiritual holiness. Can you say spiritual holiness? Spiritual holiness. That's the first criteria. He's a Torah scholar. Can you say Torah scholar? Of the highest caliber. He's so humble that he feels so nullified before God that God clearly comes to him and through him and expresses himself through him. And he's a person of such a high level beyond anything that any God-fearing Jew could reach on their own. That is, those are the qualifications for kingship according to the Word of God. That we are so humble. I mean, look at Moses. God commended Moses and there was no, as being the most humble man on the face of the earth. And even when he was, even when he was, even when his own sister and brother spoke against him, especially his sister Miriam, you know what? He did not defend himself. He fell on his face before God and God came to his defense. I encourage all of you to come to a place where you trust God to defend you. That God will fight your battles. And there are those that are mocking you on a continual basis. But, it, but we need to come to a place where we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't give in to that level and, and begin to defend ourselves, but we let God become our defense. Amen? And Lord, we just, we just forgive them for they know not what they do. So, and another thing about the king... In the Torah, in the Word of God, the king is often called a Nasi. Can you say Nasi? Nasi. Nasi is like another Hebrew word called Naso. And Naso means to raise. So it's the job of the king to raise the people up to a higher level. To raise the people up to a higher standard. 
How many of you want, you know, a leader should inspire you to, 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 to bring out the best in you? The greatest employers that I work with, the greatest supervisors I've had throughout my career are those that inspired me to, to, to go to higher heights. That always challenged me to, to, to do better. To be, to, to, that always saw potential in me that I did not see in myself. And I've experienced that year after year serving in, 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 in Breath of the Spirit, serving under Dr. Michelle Corral, is that she always inspires me to do better, right now. And I believe all of you can say the same thing to So it's the job of the king or the leader to raise the people up to a higher standard. And one such person was Moshe, and another will be Moshiach. When King Moshiach, when Christ Jesus, the Messiah, returns, he's going to raise all of us to a higher level. Amen? And a person at this level, a person serving as a king according to the standards of Torah, is, has no interest in, in the power of being king or having the title of king or melech. His greatness is a natural part of him and he has no need to control people. It is we who recognize that he is beyond anything we could attain and we request him to be our king. Amen? It's like, because we, we, we want to become part of that greatness. Amen? We want, to, we, we want to have a leader that's going to inspire us to become greater than what we already are. Amen? And Christ Jesus, the Messiah, will do that when He returns. Because, And again, it's the job of the King to raise the people to Naso, to a higher standard. Now let's go to verse 4. So far, I've only talked about three verses so far. Let's go to verse 4. And they passed through the hill country of Ephraim, and they passed through the land of Shal-Isha, but they did not find them. Now, first question I'm going to ask you is, who were they? Saul and the Excellent. Thank you, my sister. It was Saul and the, the servants. So, they passed through the hill country. They went through the hill country of Ephraim. They passed through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find the donkeys. Then they passed through the land of Sha'alim. But they were not there. Then they passed through the land of Benjamin, but they did not find them. How many of you have ever felt like you're on a journey, but you're not finding what you're looking for? You've gone this way, you've gone that way, but you have not found what you're looking for. And wherever you go, you never experience the fulfillment that you're looking for. You know, one of my favorite songs from you too is, I, I, have, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And sometimes we're looking for something, but we don't know what we're looking for. And my prayer is that every one of you will find what you're looking for. Because there's a certain emptiness that God deposits in each and every one of us that only He can fulfill. And it's only through the destiny that, that's brought into fruition in our lives that will bring us fulfillment in life. Amen? And God will send you this way and that way. You, you'll go where your mind is leading you, but God will guide your footsteps. God will direct your footsteps. And He will lead you to that place of purpose. Now the land of Sha'alim was a territory in the south. And Shalim was an area with narrow footpaths. Can you say it with me? In an area with narrow footpaths. And God led Saul throughout the land in search of the lost donkeys to bring them to meet Samuel. But this journey was bringing them to Samuel. That's what I meant to say. And I'm telling you, finding your destiny is not easy. Coming into your high calling in Christ Jesus is not an easy journey. You know, you have to labor for it. You have to toil for it. Yeah. Salvation comes easy. 
John 3.16 is the, it gives us instructions. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in Him shall not perish but receive eternal life. Amen? So that's the journey to salvation. But the journey to destiny is not an easy journey. Because we have to labor and toil in God's Word. Amen? And the land of Sha'alim was an area with narrow footpaths. You know, what does Jesus say in Matthew 7, 14? For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So the journey to your destiny, and that's the kind of life I'm speaking about tonight. I'm not speaking about eternal life, but I'm speaking about your destiny and your high calling here on this earth. It is not an easy journey. I mean, how many, how many of you have found it very easy to come into your calling in Christ Jesus? I know many of you are already walking in God's calling for your life right now. I think, actually, I think all of you are. Has it been an easy journey? It's been very difficult, hasn't it? But you know what? It's worth the price. It's worth the sacrifice. And in Romans 8.28, Paul says, We know that in everything. Can you say that we know it? We know that in everything. That God works for good with those who love Him. Do you all love God? Yes. Well, you've met the criteria. And you are called according to His purpose. Amen? And I'm telling you, there is no other lifestyle I, I would choose over this one. There are days where I question it, but I'm telling you, there is no better life than to serve God. There is no better life than to put God's kingdom first. And my greatest desire is that when, we, when you all appear before Him, that you're going to say, that He's going to say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. That He's going to say, Carol, well done, my good and faithful servant. To each and every one of you, He's saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? And then verse 5 of 1 Samuel 9. When they came to the land of Zuth, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us go back lest my father cease to care about the donkeys and become anxious about us. What we see here, is there anything, actually before I give you the answer, do you see anything unusual in this text here? Is there any character trait that you see in here that's worth mentioning? He worries. Brother Michael, you said he worries. That's, that's correct, he worries, right? Sister Margaret? He wants to please everyone. He wants to please everyone? Exactly. He wants to please his dad. So he's honoring his father. I want to bring it out in a, in a positive sense. But, but you bring out something very important because that it, was, it, it, it actually brought about his demise later. But, sister? The road became too difficult for him so I think he decided to kind of stop Exactly. And that's true as well. The road became very, and I didn't think about that one. It became very, the journey became very difficult. So he decided maybe it's better that we just turn back around and return home. So we got some very, very excellent opinions here. I mean, tonight, and, 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 and they're, they're all true. The other thing I want to bring out is Saul's humility. See, look, he, he, he's saying to his servant, he, he, he's, he's talking to his servant as if the servant is an equal with him. And he's consulting with the servant before he, he, he makes the final decision. See, one thing about a leader is a leader needs to know how to communicate with people. Amen? And he did not treat the servant, even though the servant was a person of lower stature, he did not treat the servant as if he were a person of a lower stature. 
And that's one thing that Torah, the Torah is bringing out about Saul, is that he was a man of tremendous humility. And you all say, tremendous humility. Tremendous. And it was, it was this humility that made him worthy of becoming king. See, he did not receive kingship just based upon Rachel's merit. It was because of Rachel's merit that kingship came to her bloodline. But Saul could not step into kingship by reason of pedigree. He had to do things along the way in order to possess kingship. Amen? The first thing he did was snatch the tablet of the, uh, from the light. And then another test was that he obeyed his father, which he did. And the third test was that he, that he consulted with his servants. And God is honoring all, all, the, all these steps. Because it was humility that made him worthy of becoming king. And when he lost that humility, it was his descendant, Esther, who demonstrated tremendous acts of humility that brought kingship back into the bloodline of Benjamin. So he associated with his servant, with himself. He became worried about his, about his father. All these qualities made him worthy to become king. So what I, why I'm spending so much time with this is I want you, don't, in your life, don't look at just a macro vision. I want you to look at the, I want you to also have a micro vision. I want you to look at the micro steps along the way. And look at every step that you take during the day. Because it's these steps that will bring kingship into your own life as well. Amen? Don't, look, don't just look at the big picture. When you receive prophecies from the prophets and the prophetesses, the prophecies are usually giving you the big picture. But it's your journey, it's the little steps along the way that will bring you into, into, the, into the big prophecies. Amen? So I encourage you, take every single step with humility. Now, now let's go to verse 6. But he said to him, this is the servant speaking to Saul, and thank God that Saul had enough humility to listen to the servant. And what does the servant say? Behold, there is a man of God in this city, and he is a man that is held in honor. All that he says comes true. Let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us about the journey on which we have set out. 1 Samuel 9.6 Now, I want you to really pay attention to what the servant says here. The servant says, this, this man of God, this prophet, is held in honor. I want you to think about the people you go to for prophetic words. Because what I've often seen with, 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 with many of us that, that, that are drawn to charismatic ministry, but drawn toward the anointing, that we, we, run, we run everywhere to get a prophetic word. We go to this place and that place and that one. But you know what? How often, how often, how much time do we really take, take to really seek out a true man or, or woman of God? That we really know that this person is a proven prophet of God. Because I'm telling you, I have heard so many parking lot prophets, and their words are so, are so not true. And their words are so much flesh. And, the, and their prophetic words have, have, don't have the foundation of, of God's word. Before you, before you go out seeking the word, I encourage you all to really know, discern that the person that you're coming to is a proven vessel of God. Amen? A person of humility, a person of the Word. And Samuel was a proven man of God. So the servant is telling Saul that this man, Samuel, is a true man of God. And look at what the servant says. The servant doesn't say anything about the donkey's man. 
The servant says, let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us about the journey on which we are set on. See, in the natural, it should not have taken them many days to find the donkeys. Contrary to what you've read, donkeys do not fly. And the donkeys don't go far from, from their home. So it should not have taken them days to find the donkeys. There's something going on here, and the servant discerns there's something in our journey that we need to discern. And perhaps this man and God can tell us why we're on this long journey. See, it's no longer about the journey. It means, sorry, it's no longer about the donkeys. It's now about the destiny. It's about the high calling of God. And sometimes you may wonder, Lord, why is it taking me so long for me to get to my calling? Lord, why is it taking me so long to get to, to my destination? And you know what? Sometimes we, we need to inquire of the man of God or the woman of God. Lord, why is it taking me so long? Why have, why have I toiled all these years? Sometimes I feel like I've been, I've been serving year after year after year after year, but I feel like I'm in the same place that I was 20 years ago. And you know, and sometimes it's going to take a man, a, a man or a woman of God to speak into our lives, and the Spirit of God showing them to reveal to us why it's taking so long, or what, what's going on. Do you remember when Rebecca had twins in her womb, Esau and Jacob? And there was such a struggle in the womb. And whenever Rebecca walked in the places of, of the tabernacle, in the tents, what would take place? Jacob would leap in the womb. Because whenever she came near the holy tabernacle, Jacob would leap. But whenever they passed by the houses of idolatry, Esau would leap. Because Esau was drawn towards idolatry. In contrast, Jacob was drawn towards the anointing. And the struggle was so great in her womb that she went to a man of God and the man of God revealed to her why there was a struggle in her womb. And the man of God prophesied to her that there were two nations in her womb and the elder will serve the young. Amen? Meaning that Esau would serve Jacob. And here, Saul and the servant are on a journey. But they don't know, but they don't, they don't know, they don't know where they're going yet. Because now it's no longer about the donkeys. The donkeys are lost. At least it is. At least they are according to their uh, perception. Yeah. Now they're wondering why are we on this journey and why has it why is it taking so long? See, Saul and his servant were were not only seeking advice from the donkeys. Now they were trying to understand why this death, why this journey was taking so long, and they sought for the man of God, Samuel, to give them the revelation. Now let's go to verse 6 and verse 10. For he said, but, I'm sorry, but he said to him, this, this is the servant speaking, Behold, there is a man of God in this city, and he is a man that is held in honor. All that he says comes true. Let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us about the journey on which we have set. Verse 10. And Saul said to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. Now I want to bring up another thing, and I showed this with you earlier. Saul merited to become king due to his modesty, due to the fact that he accepted the advice of his servant. Now let's go to verse 11 and 12. As they went up the hill to the city, can you say they went up? 
Whenever, often when you read about going up in Scripture, it means that you're ascending to a higher place of holiness. When, whenever the Israelites came out of Egypt towards the Holy Land, they were going up. Whenever they went down, whenever they went to Egypt, they went down to Egypt. See, going to Egypt meant low, low, lowering your spirituality. But going to Israel represents ascending in holiness. Amen? And so as they went up the hill to the city, they met young maidens coming out to draw water. And, and said to them, Is the seer here? They answered, He is. Behold, he is just ahead of you. Make haste. He has just come now to the city, because the people have a sacrifice today on the high place. Now the term here, you see where the, 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 the young maidens say, He is. Can you all say it with me? He is. He is. And this term is very important, because in Hebrew, this term is yesh. Can you say yesh? Yes. Not yes. Say yesh. Yes. Because this term is used one other place in Scripture. The term yesh. So he is translated into Hebrew as yesh. Y-E-S-H is the way I'm spelling it. And in Numbers 9.21 it reads, And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning, and when the cloud was taken up in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud was taken up, they set out. In the wilderness, the Israelites followed God's glory. They followed the seven clouds of God's glory. There is a connection between Numbers 9.21 and 1 Samuel 9, verses 11 and 12. Because that word yesh means he is. It, the yesh means that God's glory is here. The maid is the same that God's glory is right where Samuel is. Amen? And Moses did not enter the tabernacle until God called him. And Saul was called into Samuel's house. He was being called into the tabernacle and God was going to speak to him through the prophet Samuel. Amen? The girls pointed out that the glory cloud was hovering over Samuel's house. So just as God's glory abode over the tabernacle in the wilderness, in comparison, God's glory was hovering over Samuel's house. And the girls were telling Samuel, yes. No, I'm sorry, the girls were telling Saul and his servant, yes, he is. Meaning that not only that Samuel is there, but that God is here. That God is there. That God's presence is there. Meaning, you will not find your destination, you will not find your fulfillment, you will not find your answer until you come to that place where God's glory is. And it, and, and when, and it will not take place until you commune with God's glory that the answers will come to you. Amen? Amen. You're not going to find your answers in, in a book, except for the Bible. And God is going to commune with you in that certain place and He's going to reveal to you why that journey has been so hard and why it's been taking so long. Some of you have been toiling so long in the things of God. You're toiling so long in the promises of God. And sometimes you may ask me the question, why is it taking so long? And the answer I'm going to give you is an answer you don't want to hear. I don't know. And I'm telling you, I'm in the boat with you. Because there are things I'm asking God about God. Why is this taking so long? And, and, I, and I wish I could put an expiration date on my prayers. But you know what? I, I choose to go all the way with God. 
I'd rather die trying than not try at all. Amen? So I, I choose, and I pray that you all choose to go all the way with God. Because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, God, has, God will not forsake the righteous. God will not forsake you. God is with you in this journey. And I'm not here to tell you, I'm not here to sugarcoat, handicoat this teaching, and tell you everything's going to be a bed of roses every single step of the way. Because, you know, sometimes you have to go to the value of that. Sometimes you have to go through family, struggles in the family. Sometimes you have to go through rejection. Sometimes you have to be, go through being falsely accused. Sometimes you have to go through accusations along the way. And the temptation is that you fight battles along the way that are not ordained from heaven. And you must choose which battles you're going to fight. David could have fought Eliab, who falsely accused him at the battlefront, but he chose not to fight the battle. He chose to fight the battles that were only that were worthy of destiny. There's a lot of noise around each and every one of uh, around all of us. Are you going to fight every single battle in, 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 in your, around you, or are you, you going to choose to fight only the battles that really matter? Amen. And my prayer is that you're going to choose to fight the battles that are only relevant towards God's calling in your life. Amen. And the girls pointed out that God's glory was hovering over Samuel's house. Now, I want to bring this back into the natural and into the practical. Whenever I go to a home where the people in that home just live in prayer, I can sense God's glory in that home. I can sense God's peace in that home. I can sense the shalom of God in that home. But if I go to a place where there is no, there is no, there's just worldliness and there's no prayer, I can sense the absence of God's glory. And Saul, and, and especially the maidens, they discerned that God's presence was over Samuel's house. Because Samuel was a man of prayer. Saul, Samuel was a man that communed with God day and night. And the girls pointed out, the girls were handmaids, they, they were servants. And, and, and they discerned that God's glory was there. And you know what? God reveals His secrets to His servants, the prophets. You all remember when Jesus was at the wedding in Canaan. And they ran, and they ran out of wine. What does Mary, the mother of Jesus, say? She tells her son, they have no wine. And Jesus, tell, Jesus tells her, woman, meaning that He was honoring her as, as a great woman. He's honoring her. And, and then He tells her, well, what does this have to do with me? My time has not come yet. But because she, he was obedient, he, he, he asked that the servants bring out, that they fill the six barrels with water. Or the, what do you call the jars? What were those containers were? To fill them with water. And then Jesus told the servants to serve what was in the jars. And guess what the, the master of the house said? Uh, or one of the, one of the people in the, in, the, in the feast said, you saved the best wine for last. But only Mary and the servants knew the miracle that had taken place. And I'm telling you, when you walk in humility, when you walk as a servant, God will reveal secrets to you. And God will allow you to see miracles that will take place. But it requires that you walk in humility. Saul walked in humility. The servants walked in humility. And, God, and you will discern God's glory when His glory is present. And a divine appointment is about to take place in your life. God is about, and I'm prophesying to you right now, 
divine appointments are about to take place in your own life. God is going to direct your footsteps. He's going to direct you to places. He's going to move you into purpose. He's going to move you to his high calling. He's going to open up doors. He's going to open up finances. He's going to open up employment opportunities. He's going to open up businesses. He's going to open up doors of ministry for you. God may even open the door for you that I want to use you to finance this orphanage in India. God may use you to finance these wells in Uganda. God may use you, if you're open to it, God will open up those doors of opportunity for you. Amen? Because your gift will make room for you. So divine appointments are about to take place in your life just as they did for Saul and the servant. And you know what? The beautiful thing about the way God works is God did not only speak, God did not only direct the servant and Saul. God had already spoken to Samuel a day before. So in verse 15 of 1 Samuel 9, Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, Tomorrow about this time I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people, Israel. He shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have seen the affliction of my people, because their cry has come to me. So, and then verse 17, When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, Here is the man of whom I spoke to you. He it is who shall rule my people. Verse Samuel 9, 15-17. Do you see how specific God is with Samuel? He tells him exact details. At this time tomorrow, a man from the tribe of Benjamin will come to you. And then God tells him exactly what he is to do for him and how he is to anoint him to be king. And in verse 17, there's a, there's a Hebrew translation to English that reads, This one will restrain my people. In alignment with what Terry said, this teaches us that the task of the king is to restrain people in times of peace, from wrongdoing, and in times of war, he must prevent them from scattering. So that's another task of the king. In times of peace, so you know what's our tendency in times of peace? When everything's going well around us, we tend to become lax, don't we? Mm -hmm. Our prayer time becomes lax. Our intercession becomes lax. We, we spend less time with God. Our service becomes lax. We become, we become a bit lazy in things of God. So the task of the king is to keep people from doing wrong in times of peace. But in times of war, because in times of war, our tendency is to scatter and not be united. So the role of the king is to prevent the people from scattering, but to unify. Amen? And so what takes place? Divine appointment, verse 14. Samuel and Saul met. This was a divine appointment that took place. And Samuel met Saul, and Saul was removed in the kingship. This was all completely divinely orchestrated by heaven. And you know what? God is orchestrating events in your own life as well. God is orchestrating things for you. It was on our Rosh Hashanah that God brought, caused Joseph to be removed from the king's prison and was brought before the king, interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, and, and Joseph became viceroy all, over all of Egypt on a Rosh Hashanah. He was moving to destiny. I'm saying that now because in October, we're going to come into Rosh Hashanah. Amen? The biblical new year. Amen. But we see tremendous humility here with, 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 with Saul. 
Now look at verse 21. I'm going to skip ahead because uh, we're, we're, we're just about done here for this evening. Verse 21. Saul answered, Am I not a Benjamite from the least of the tribes of Israel? And is not my family the humblest of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? What Saul is saying, Saul is speaking with, with so much humility. And he's also saying, beneath the surface, he's saying that my tribe, Benjamin, is not destined for royalty. It's the tribe of Judah that's destined to be the tribe of Judah, to be the tribe of kingship. And he's correct. But one thing that Saul did not know was the first king was going to come through Rachel. Because Benjamin would prepare the way for the coming of, of the king from Judah. And then let's go to verse 25. And when they came down from the high place into the city, a bed was spread for Saul on the roof. And he lay down to sleep. So, so then verse 26. Then at the break of dawn, Samuel called to Saul up, upon the roof, up that I may send you on your way. So Saul arose, both he and Samuel went out into the street. Now you may wonder, why is Scripture giving us this kind of detail? Why do we need to know that Samuel woke up Saul? There's a lot going on here, going on here that's beneath the surface. They arose in the middle of the night and studied the Torah. And they studied the God of God's Word from late in the night until daybreak. See, one thing that a king is required to do is to be in God's Word night and day. And even Saul, even King David would arrive in the middle of the night and study God's word all night long before he ruled God's people. And you know what? And I believe God has raised many of you up to be people that dwell in his presence even in the middle of the night. And I'm telling you, I want you to allow God's word and God's glory to govern your life. And even in your prayer life, I, I want you to find His presence. I want you to find the glory cloud. I, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to stop praying until God's presence rests upon you. Until that, that glory, that His very presence, that Shekinah presence of God is abiding over your house. Amen? And I'm telling you, people will notice a difference around you. See, people are not impressed with religion. People are done with religion. People want relationships. And they want to see that you're one that really just reflects God's presence. Because most people are not going to set, set their foot within the walls of a church. And the only church they're going to see is how you represent Christ to the earth. By your character, by your love. And then even when people come around you, they may just break into tears because they feel something different. And they go, whenever I come around you, I, 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 I feel so much love. And then that will open the door for you to share the gospel. So you're not feeling me. You're feeling Christ's love for you. And He loves you so much. Amen. That we can truly become witnesses in the earth. And it's just, it's by His presence living in us. I pray that even as these words are coming forth, that you are feeling the presence of God. It's my prayer that God's presence is infusing each and every one of you tonight. Amen. You, you did not come here to hear me tonight. You've come here tonight to to receive of Him. Amen. And to be infused with the presence of Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that's present here. He's the only one that can impart to you. Because I have nothing to give to you. Amen. And then, 
Samuel offers to tell Saul whatever. Actually, let, let, let me read the text here. First Samuel nine nineteen and twenty. Samuel answered Saul, "I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for today you shall eat with me, and in the morning I will let you go and will tell you all that is on your mind." As for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. And for all, and, and, and for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and for all your father's house? See, Samuel says, don't worry about your donkeys. That, that, that issue is taken care of. And the donkeys represent the natural substances as well. God will take care of everything, everything that concerns your material well-being. If the donkeys may represent your career, God will take care of your career. You may feel like you've lost your career. You may feel like you've become obsolete in, in, in this fast-paced uh, 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 fast world. You may feel like you've lost your destiny. You may feel like you've lost your career. You know what? Don't worry about it. God is taking care of those donkeys for you. But what you do, do the same thing that Saul and the servant did, and that is to seek after God's glory. Now, I want to bring you another revelation here about the servant. The servant represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. And He will help you find your journey along the way. What did Jesus say before He ascended? He said, Tarry ye here in Jerusalem. Tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be, until you be imbued with power from upon high. Amen? The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our teacher. He will lead you into all truth. Amen? So He doesn't leave us comfortless. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Amen? And the Holy Spirit, he, he is the one that abides inside of each and every one of us. And don't worry about the, the natural. It's all been taken care of. He, he, he's taken care of. But if you put God's kingdom first, everything in the natural will fall into place. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen? And you see what Saul Samuel says. He says, I will tell you all that is on your mind in the morning. But first he reveals to them the donkeys are being taken care of. But see what he says, I will tell you, I will tell you all that is on your mind. And it wasn't about the donkeys. It was about something else. And it was about Saul's destiny. Samuel was going to reveal to Saul what Saul's calling was. I believe that Samuel taught the Torah to Saul. And through the Torah taught him what the role of the king of Israel is. He learned about kingship according to the ways of Torah. And tonight, I want you to know that God is directing your footsteps. And I'll, I encourage you all to seek the glory. To seek His presence. To seek Him even above the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Seek Him. Seek the person of the Trinity. Of, of God the Father, God the Son. In God the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. To seek Him. Now, as we conclude here, I want to, we've been talking about Saul tonight, right? Well, I'm going to conclude with, by telling you about a future Saul. Can you all say a future Saul? A future Saul. The future Saul in the book of Acts who became known as Paul, the Apostle. Because in the future, another Saul, a future Saul, received his calling into ministry through a series of prophetic events. Now we all know Saul of Tarsus, don't we? A Pharisee who was zealous for God. And he went after every person that was after the way. 
the way with capital W. Every person that went after Christ Jesus that will follow in the way. Because originally, Christianity was not a separate religion. It was a sect of Judaism. And so Saul went about trying to bring an end of the threat of those that were out of the way. And on the road to Damascus, he encountered the Lord Jesus. And then in Acts chapter 9, so we've left 1 Samuel 9, now we're in Acts chapter 9. Now, I did not plan this teaching. I did not orchestrate this teaching. The Holy Spirit led me on this journey. Because I spent days looking after donkeys. <laughs> Literally. In fact, until 1 a.m. On, on Wednesday morning. But Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the, against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. In verse 3, Now as he journeyed, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven flashed about him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Can you imagine having that sort of encounter with God? I mean, literally, he fell off the horse. And the one that he was persecuting speaks to him. Then Saul was led by a servant to Damascus. We see in 1 Samuel 9, the servant led Saul, who became king of Israel, to the seer Samuel. And here we see God orchestrating events in the life of the Apostle Paul. I mean, he was blinded, he was led by hand, brought to Damascus. And then even as he's being brought in, the Lord was orchestrating events and God spoke to a man named Ananias. Can you say Ananias? Ananias? And God speaks to Ananias in a way that's similar to the way he spoke to Samuel. Giving him very specific details. And God instructs Ananias to restore Saul's eyesight and to prophesy his destiny to him. And so in, in Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Now there was a disciple of, at Damascus named Ananias, the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise, and he said, Rise. rise. Remember we saw rise before when, when Kish told his son, Rise, which contains the word Melech. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Script. Inquire in the house of Judas, were a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he, had, and he has seen a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. Then verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. And that is... Do you see the parallel here? We have King Saul and his servant being directed to Samuel, and Samuel reveals destiny. And here in the book of Acts, we see God using Ananias to prophesy to Saul of Tarsus his destiny. Now, how many of you would like to receive a prophecy like this? That I will reveal to you the things that you're going to suffer from me. I, don't, I didn't hear any amens. 
Because mm -hmm. we always want to hear about how glorious things are going to be. But you know what? If you're going to, if you, if you, yes, you're going to rejoice in Him. Yes, you're going to have many glorious moments. You're going to have many terrific moments. But in the terrific moments, there's also suffering along the way. So you're going to have joy with Him, and you're going to suffer with Him as well. Amen? Because I, I will not preach a gospel without the cross. Every one of us is required to pick up our cross and follow Him. Amen? And with that, we're going to, we're going to close with a teaching here. Heavenly, I'm going to ask you all just to stand for a moment. Heavenly Father, I just pray that the impartation of this holy word, Lord God, will fall upon your people, Lord God. Lord, I pray that everyone in this house will be able to bound in these words of Father God. Lord, I pray that we'll be raised up, Father God, in these last days, Father God. That every one in this room will find their high calling in Christ Jesus. That every one of us, Father God, will find our way, will find the destiny that you ordained for us, Lord God. And that, Lord, I pray that you'll raise up Samuels and, and Ananiases in our lives, Lord God. People that will speak into our lives when we've lost our way, Lord God. And that, Lord, in the midst of a seeking of your glory, Lord God, that you will, that you will not forsake our livelihood, because you have taken care of our donkeys, Lord God. And, Lord, I pray that the, the anointing of humility, Lord God, the character trait of humility will be upon all you people, Father God. Lord, I pray that you'll weave the garment of humility upon each and every one of us tonight. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Let's all let's all give the Lord a hand of praise tonight.